Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory. It's been good to be back after having been scourged by the heat of the Phoenix weather. I would not do well as an ascetic in the Egyptian desert. I know that is not my calling. I've never experienced heat beyond 112, and uh, so anyway. We had a wonderful retreat. This is the announcements, but I'm leading into something. And in one of the, uh, the highlights for me, the retreat was the blessing of the Antimensia. The Antimensia is that, that item, cloth in this case, that holds the relics of the martyrs that the Eucharist is celebrated on, consecrated on. Uh, in other churches, they have it either in the altar, bored in, and laid in the wood in the altar, or in an altar stone, or an altar on the floor directly below the chalice. In the tradition of the East, we have it in an antimensia, a cloth. And what happens is when a bishop comes in, a new bishop, in our case, Bishop John, we are acting, I am acting on his behalf. This community is under his omophorion. And by giving the church an antimensia with his name on it and the chrism that he, chrismi, uh, that he consecrated, he is saying to us that St. John Chrysostom has the right and the obligation and privileges thereof to celebrate the sacred mysteries in this place. Had he not given us one, an antimensia, or the chrism, we would not have the faculties to celebrate that. So this is the one for the outreach, but I want to show it to you. It's, they're very pretty, a nice cloth. The relic is right here in the center of the cross. So I'm just going to... A little show and tell before we have the homily. So this is the authority for this, in this case, the outreach to celebrate the divine liturgy. Now, St. John Chrysostom's is underneath the gospel book. I already celebrated the liturgy for the, the nativity of St. John the Baptist. So it already may have tiny particles of the Holy Eucharist. So I'm not going to unfold it and hold it out. So we are with the chrism in my hand and with the antimensia. We are authorized, as I said, and given the great privilege to celebrate the holy mysteries and all of them in that. So, the, so it's an, it was an exciting thing. And it's interesting to note, when a child is baptized, we throw the baby in the water, right? Immersion in the water. Uh, chrismed, anointed with the holy chrism, given the Eucharist. We, all, we know this. This is our tradition. When we, um, this church was consecrated, the first thing the bishop did was go around the inside and sprinkle all the walls with holy water, maybe with a little rose oil in it. Then on the walls, he put chrism. And then what did he do? He celebrated the Eucharist. When we bless icons, handwritten icons, we sprinkle the icon with holy water. We put chrism on the back. And it stays in the church while it celebrated the divine liturgy. The Antimensia was blessed in the same way, with wonderful lengthy prayers. And then at a certain point, it was sprinkled with holy water and rose water. And then it was anointed in five places with the holy chrism. And then the Eucharist was celebrated on it. And then the Antimensia stayed on the holy table until the bishop gave it to us at the end of the clergy conference. So it's all the same. All the actions are the same. A baptism, a chrismation, and a Eucharist. That's our life. 
And I just wanted, I thought you might find that interesting, showing that how we have received the authority to celebrate the mysteries and have a parish life under his name. Without a bishop, there is no church. We have a bishop, therefore we have a church. He has given me a great gift by giving me my own personal antimensia with my name so I can go anywhere and celebrate the divine liturgy. Uh, his sister still, that fancy calligraphy, they're writing it out, but I get my own with my own name to keep uh, forever. So it's a great honor. So it's he, he's telling me, I'm giving you my authority to celebrate the mysteries. Interesting, isn't it? It's the way the church does to make sure that we're all, we're all together, that the, we have an authority of a bishop, so we're not just some renegade church. So we are in the apostolic secession. And um, anyway, I thought I'd share that with you. I had a, quite a nice conversation on the flight home from Phoenix uh, with a young woman and her daughter. About I think the daughter was 11. and We were talking about many things. and One of the things that come up was about the, you know, the problems in the world. Why is there so many problems? And I shared with her that it's, they're not political problems. They're spiritual problems. And I kind of went into a little bit of what I'm going to share with you tonight. We were created body and soul. Yes? Body and soul. Body that's of the earth. The soul that is, is, is the breath of the... It's the life of the Holy Spirit within us that gives life, that keeps us alive. And the, the, the soul animates the entire body, not just one spot. The fathers tell us the entire body. So we are created body and soul. Unlike the angels that are just spirit, uh, soul, we are body and soul, body and spirit. St. John of Damascus will tell us that, you know, the soul, it, it, it covers all of, it animates, it's all of us, but the very heart of the soul, or the eye of the soul, is the noose. The purest part of the soul, that, that part where, where the God's touch touches us. The energy of God touches us. And we were created in this pristine state. Now, you can go on and on and read and follow the rabbit trails all you want about how the fathers developed the understanding of the noose and of the soul and all of that but we're not going to go there. We're going to keep it simple. So we have, we were created this body and soul, pure, undefiled. In the noose, as he said, the eye of the soul could see clearly, could commune with God. But with the result of, of sin, of rejecting the love of God, the noose got darkened. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye is sound, the whole body is in light. But the eye is bad, then the whole body is in darkness. The eye of the soul was sound, but then it got corrupted. And it got cataracts, if you will. got dimmer and dimmer, and to the point of the great sin, when it actually experienced a break with the communion of God. Death. The body experienced death, and the soul while St. Maximus says, is immortal by grace, it still experienced a death, a spiritual death. And it is a result of this death that brought about all the carnage and all the fallen natures throughout the history. 
We could not have communion with God before the advent of Christ. You could have a relationship with God, but it was not communion with God as we have. With the Christ event, with the death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven, and ascending the Holy Spirit, we've been given the gifts through our baptism, through our chrismation, through our participation in the Eucharist, to restore that communion. To make the eye of the soul once again clear. From that point on, though, we have to be careful how we live our life. Because, as again, St. Maximus would say, that as, the, 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 as the, eye, the eye of the soul gets darkened, as the passions grow, as our prayer life decreases, as our love decreases, as pride increases, all these things start to darken the eye of the soul to the point it could become blind and have no comprehension of God. What our responsibility is, he will say, is to remove all of those things by his words, by bridling the soul with love, with prayer, with self-control, with forgiveness. We start to remove all the evils that dwell in the soul so that the light can once again shine out. St. Anthony of the desert will go on and build upon that, and he says, I perceive, I perceive, he says, that with the clarity of the eye of the soul, the clarity of the soul in God, through prayer, self-control, love, and all these things, that the soul can begin to perceive in the future things, not you know, telling the future, but perceive further, is actually the word he used, further, and with greater clarity than the demons. If the eye of the soul is clear. It is up to us in this Christian life, if we strive to have theosis, strive to have deification, this deepening communion of God, we have to bridle our soul, as St. Maximus would say. This requires us to look in our past life, past week even, since our last confession, whatever it is, how have I lived my life? How has it caused the eye of my soul to darken? What has happened that has prevented me to see with greater clarity the love of God in my life, the love of neighbor? Sometimes we find ourselves thinking that we, are, we have such clear vision that we suddenly become a judge of all things. We suddenly become able, almost Gnostic, if you will, this esoteric... Uh, Knowledge that other people don't have, that we know who's right and who's wrong, who's in the church and who's out of the church. These dangerous things that we do, and we think we're seeing clearly, but the devil, it's the eyes of the devil that we're seeing through, not the eyes of Christ. Because if we're living a gospel life, if our eyes are filled with the vision of Christ, we're not thinking of any of those things. 
We're looking at ourselves. What do I have to do? Is my life reflecting the life of the gospel? Is I, am I doing things to allow my vision to see clearly that my, life, my body is filled with light? Or am I allowing my, light, my eyes to go dim and my body is filled with darkness and how great will that darkness be? The problem with our world is a spiritual problem because they don't want to look inside. They don't want to deal with the eye of the soul. It doesn't exist for them. They're living here in their own world of relativism, in their own world that they create, that they are judge above all others. And in that, they have no bridling of the soul. They don't even know the taste of communion with God in their own hearts. That young woman was, had no idea that this was even an issue in life. She thought it was all political. But it's not. Because each and every human being on earth has a soul. Each and every human being has a noose. The eye of the soul, that purest part of the soul, where man meets God. We know we have it. Are we living our lives in a manner that reflects that understanding? If your eye is well, your whole body is in light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is in darkness. And how great that darkness will be.